our text this morning is the uh, gospel reading in Mark 6, going down to uh, verse 26. It says, And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, I don't know uh, if this has been evident to you. I, I read a lot of books, but, um, well, and I watch movies too. I mean, that stuff, we all do a little bit of that anyway. And uh, one of the things that I have noticed that is spoken all, uh, an awful lot, especially when you're talking about uh, hero stuff, is, is somebody is often saying that fear is weakness. Uh, and, uh, and that weakness is a bad thing because uh, somebody will take advantage of weakness and that weakness ends in death. Uh, so, I mean, you know, and ultimately what that, what that leads to is that you're supposed to be afraid of fear, which sounds a little silly to me because it's obvious enough. Uh, and, uh, well, that you end up being afraid of fear, then what, what are you supposed to do with it? Because you, you, who isn't afraid? Everybody's afraid at some time or other. And all those guys that say fear is a weakness, they're all afraid too. And all the guys I say it to, all those guys that fear is supposed to be a weakness for, they're afraid of something too. They're all, it's just human. And uh, ultimately, if you're afraid all the time and you're afraid of being afraid, then you're going to have problems. Uh, and this is because Herod is afraid. All the stuff that happens is because Herod is afraid. And he is a man of power. Um, he and his brother Philip are mentioned here. Uh, they are what they call tetrarchs. Uh, almost ashamed to say that word out loud in the presence of human beings, but te tetrarchs are, uh, uh, well, how would you put this? Uh, th there was a time when Herod the Great was in charge in Israel. Uh, that would be the guy who went and killed all the kids in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. And when he died, uh, the emperor is the one who's in charge of everything. And the uh, emperor said, let's divide up the kingdom. And he divided into four parts. So you have two eastern parts, kind of north and south. Uh, those are mostly Gentile lands. And then you have two western parts, which is mostly in Israel. And they have northern and southern parts there. And you have their to tetrarchs. Tetrarchs mean uh, basically there's four leaders. So one of the tetrarchs is Herod Antipas, which is Herod the Great's son. And the other one on the west side is Philip, which is his brother. Now, I mean, there's, they're equals, essentially, politically, uh, but they serve at the, at the pleasure of the emperor uh, they've been appointed by him, and, and uh, emperors in the Roman Empire hate disturbances. It's uh, because they have a lot to rule, and if there's a problem somewhere where there's a fuss, then um, they have to fix it, which they really don't like to put resources in. So uh, there's this thing, uh, see, I was talking Greek before, now I'm into Latin here, okay? So uh, bear with me. Uh, 
the, the, the phrase in the Roman Empire was Pax Romana, right? the, the Roman peace. And that's what they wanted. And they were fine if everybody was at peace and there were no disturbances. But if there were some kind of disturbance, then the emperor would send a legion of soldiers and make it peaceful. And, you know, their usual technique was to make sure everything that was disturbing them was dead. And then there was peace. That's kind of the way they did stuff. So disturbances are bad. And I, I say this because uh, Herod and Philip are having a disturbance. And these guys are going to be nervous about that because the emperor doesn't like it. So this woman Herodias shows up. She's married to Philip. And she apparently doesn't want to be married to Philip. So she leaves Philip with her daughter. And they go and uh, she gets married to Herod, Philip's brother. Uh, okay, so now the two brothers have something else to fuss about. The other problem is... Uh, Herod has this birthday party. And, uh, and if he shows any weakness there, he's surrounded by his natural predators. He's got merchants and statesmen and nobles and soldiers and a bunch of other powerful people there. So if he shows weakness, then they're going to be on him. Uh, and so uh, that's a problem for him too. So this girl... Uh, we don't know her name from scripture, but uh, she's traditionally called Salome. Um, she dances for them, and apparently it's very exciting. I'm almost afraid to know what that was about. But uh, in their lust, I think, which is apparent, um, uh, Herod says, I'll give you a gift. And he offers her, by promise, uh, up to half his kingdom. Now, have any of you ever been kings? Maybe, well, there's one. I don't know if that counts, Doug. Probably not. <laughs> okay, so uh, if, if you were a king, can you imagine saying, oh, yeah, I'll give up half of my kingdom for you because you danced for me. Does that make any sense at all? Uh, I would say not much, but that is what he said. Uh, and, and he's in this room full of people that are going to be mad at him one way or another or looking for his head. And she turns to her mother and says, what should I ask for? And, and she says, ask for John's head. So he's looking around him and saying, weakness would be bad here. So I made this promise and let's go get John's head, even though he doesn't really want to because he'd like listening to John. Uh, and since he was afraid of everything, and I mean literally everything that surrounds him, he went and did the worst possible thing in power and lust and in fear, and John was killed. Uh, in, in the most obvious way there is, fear kills. And, and also, eventually, it will catch up with Herod. Now, I'm saying all this because the human condition is full of fear. It's just something that is. There's, there's fear of mortality. That's probably the biggest and worst nightmare we have. There are viruses and there are car accidents and there are uh, problems with being broke. Uh, terrorism, wars, and the list is a lot longer than that. Uh, and you have your own imaginations. I'll leave it there. The, worse than that, though, uh, there's this other problem where uh, those fears 
are familiar enough that they kind of wander into the background of your mind and you kind of ignore them there, but they're there all the time. And, and the reason, one of the reasons why you have so much trouble with sinning is because those fears exist and it's a problem. Life uh, is like this. So Herod, he's afraid all the time and like that, fear makes you consider sinning a lot to avoid whatever it is you're afraid of. Uh, and, and, and this is not new, and it's not small, and it's not uncommon. This is a daily problem. And, and it happens a lot, this you know. Uh, whether you're paying attention or not, God is aware of all of that. He knows you. He knows what you do. He knows what you're afraid of. And, and he probably knows more about what you're afraid of and when you sin than you do. He can't only destroy your body, which is bad enough. I mean, any human being can do that. But he goes on to say in Jesus' mouth that uh, he can also destroy your soul in hell, which is a problem. goes with sin. So there's a, a, a good deal more fear about that, I would suppose. And, and as much as we sin, uh, you might suppose that God might as well go ahead and do that. Because uh, honestly, we're not going to be able to stop. And then you can add that onto the scary things list. Uh, it's all full of guilt and it's all full of shame. Uh, it's, it, it, I think, shame we understand to some extent. Adam and Eve had some problems with that when they realized they sinned and they were trying to hide in the woods, but it worked not well for them. God knew they were there, knew what they were up to, and was worried for them. But it is, in the end, very painful and not particularly helpful. Fears like that. Now, if at this point you find yourself... Uh, worried that you don't have a leg to stand on when you have to stand before God, then you have finally arrived at the beginning of wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord. You know who you are. You are sinners. The wages of sin is death. And God is the one who judges that. And he himself is entirely, completely holy. And he doesn't like sin at all. In fact, he hates it, the way scripture talks. It's just reasonable, it's just the truth that you should fear him. That's the beginning of wisdom. Um, if it were his desire, I suppose you could uh, suppose that if, if it was what he desired for you, then you wouldn't exist. And, and it would be complete and utter justice because it's sin, he doesn't like sin, he has all the power, uh, he can do whatever he wants. And, and uh, if he didn't make Satan and didn't make the tree and didn't make the fruit and didn't make Adam and Eve because he knew what knuckleheads we'd all be, that would be perfectly fine justice because that's what we deserve. On the other hand, here you sit. Obviously, he didn't do any of that. Herod was afraid for good reasons. He was a mess. He was afraid of people. He was afraid of God. He was afraid even of John the Baptist, whom he seemed to want to protect. But he wasn't afraid enough of that to avoid 
the, the predation of all of his so-called friends or his lust or any of that, he was bound. Fear will do that. On the other hand, that fear of the Lord is only the beginning of wisdom. It's only the beginning. That's what it says is the beginning of wisdom. There's much more. It's also true. It's also true that Jesus made a point of saying some other things. The rest of wisdom is that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are alive. They're not dead. As your God lives, those guys live. That's what Jesus has said. They're not destroyed. They're not dead. They're not gone. They're alive. And you can go and look up at the Mount of Transfiguration and see Moses and Elijah there somehow also alive. You can... Uh, Go and check out the scene of the cross and you will find that there was a thief there who is even now in paradise alive, not dead, not destroyed. Sinners, all of them. But they're still alive. Uh, the cross happened. I took you there for a second. But the cross only happened, as it turns out, because you sin, which is a tragedy of the worst sort of thing where the Son of God has to, has to be crucified for it to be sorted out. But, and seeing Jesus there on a cross is hard for us all as it should be. Uh, it almost stands as a horrible accusation there, but it's not all there is. But still it happened. It happened that Jesus went there. It happened that Christ did that. He did that to take your sin and to free you from it. And if there's no sin, because it's forgiven, then there's no need for wages of sin because there's nothing to pay for. And if there's no wages of sin, then there's no death. And all of that's wrapped in the promise of Christ. He himself is alive. He got up out of the tomb. The tomb is empty. He walked around alive in front of hundreds of witnesses. And it's because that is so, he says, you will live. Even if you die, you will live. All justice was served, not upon you as it could have been. He could have, like I said, stopped everything before it even happened, but he didn't do that because he actually loves you and he actually wants you and he actually has done everything that is necessary to keep you. And so the son of the living God bore all of the punishment that should have fallen on you and me he took it all. No one made him do that. He did that in his own love for you. Whatever fear, whatever guilt you might feel at any particular moment, you need not keep it. It belongs to Christ. He went to a lot of trouble in his crucifixion to take away the things that might cause you fear. That part of wisdom that is beyond the beginning of wisdom has moved on to Christ. Now, some things that they don't change, uh, they're important. Uh, you, no one likes fear. No one likes grief. No one likes pain. 
No one likes suffering. And those things are real. They come to you, you experience them, you feel them, and they are undeniably real. But is not, that's not all there is. It's also just as real and just as undeniable that Christ's cross happened, that he went there and was crucified, and he took your sins away. He rose from the dead. He came out of the tomb and he lives now. And he says that as he lives, you live. Your sins are gone and you live. Your fear of sin and death need no longer exist. Now I know you're still human and that, you know, that part of you is going to still uh, experience such things. But it is not necessary anymore. You can lose nothing. If you lost all of your earthly possessions, you're still the heirs, by God's own word, of heaven and earth is yours. You can lose nothing there. If you die, if you die, you will yet live. You can lose nothing. Which is really, really difficult for you to hang on to when you're suffering, when you're afraid. Even still, it is so. Because the wisdom is not only the fear of the Lord, but Christ, Christ crucified, Christ risen, Christ your savior, forgiveness and eternal life. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.